0: So welcome to another episode of The First Incision, a CMF podcast where we look at topics at the interface of faith and healthcare that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm your host, Steve Fauch. Now, over the last six months or so, there has been an outpouring of love for the National Health Service and the staff who provide care and support for us. And we've probably all been out there at one stage or another clapping or putting out rainbows as a sign of support and solidarity but not everyone who is treated in the NHS or works in it has such a positive experience. The colour of your skin can determine how you get treated, both as a patient and as a member of staff. Many students and junior staff report experiences of bullying and harassment, often as a routine day-to-day experience, and especially if they come from an ethnic minority background. At CMF, we're hearing stories from many of our members echoing this. So, is the NHS an institutionally racist organisation? How should we respond as Christians? In this edition, I'm talking to Jonathan Macunjuola about the often hidden problem of racism, bullying and harassment within the National Health Service. So firstly, Jonathan, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and uh, uh, what you're you're currently doing?
1: Yes, I'm a consultant urologist working uh, in King's College Hospital in South London. I've been a consultant there for about three years. And prior to that, I was a trainee in the southeast region around London, basically. So I not really left London, to be honest. Um, as a medical student, I, was in, I have been involved with CMF and been a tender, regular attendee of the um, conferences in Derbyshire. And um, my first, my, I was always born in the church, but my Christian faith, my Christian walk really um, kind of solidified as a teenager when I accepted Jesus as my saviour and, and basically was, um, was baptised. And um, and move forward in that basis. So, so God has always been part of me, but as an as an as a teenager, really kind of solidified and my walk with Christ and started then basically. And in around the time medical school, when I be, became a physician.
0: So really, it was your medical training was the, the point where your your faith really began to to to, to crystallize for you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what first raised your concerns about the issue of bullying and and race in the in the health service?
1: Um, it's always been there and it's kind of been the elephant in the room, but often I, I was always a situation as a black man and my backgrounds, my um, West African, but born here in medical school, uh, I was one of only three black males in our year of 400. So you always noticed it, but you always kind of just, you're used to being the only one of the only black people in environments, in the work environment or in university. And we just learned to kind of move forward and we didn't really think about it so much and we just try to get through the exams and try and be a good medical student. And there were isolated events as a medical student where people didn't necessarily want me to examine them because I was black. But sometimes it would be very veiled. It would be like, I don't want that student next to me or I'd rather somebody else. But no one was ever. It was all subtle and covert rather than overt racism. And I'd say in the last six months, especially with the unfortunate murder of George Floyd, it's really brought it to people's consciousness and our consciousness as well. And people, I think a lot of people had enough and trying to call out things when they see it, basically.
0: The, the whole issue of bullying, obviously, is something that's, that's been brought up before. But are you hearing from others that they're experiencing this, particularly in relation to uh, their their ethnic background? Is, is that becoming one of the issues or has it always been one of the issues that has affected how people are treated by their peers think, as well as by yeah. the patients?
1: I think it's always been there. But as I said, I don't like to use the Brexit term, but I do see around that time there's obviously a change in people's attitudes, or maybe people just had these these ideas about discrimination and bullying, but it kind of was not fashionable to talk about it, or you know it wasn't talked about. But I've certainly um, I've I've been working with the GMC over the last six months, and I've interviewed over fifty black uh, minority doctors basically, and some of their tales have been really harrowing about the discrimination, bullying, and and racism they experienced from their colleagues and patients as well, basically. I think people are just more emboldened and empowered to talk about it. It's always been there, but a lot of the time people, um, you know, cover it up or just move, move on and they move jobs. But now people are telling their story, basically.
0: I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the George Floyd case and there's and the, the sort of the increasingly high profile of the Black Lives Matter campaign. Do, do you think that has encouraged people to come forward and talk about this a lot more yeah, uh, it's much the way that the the uh, the Me Too movement did around sexual harassment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I give an old personal example. You know, with my colleagues in my department, uh, we all it's kind of very friendly. We all talk about different things. But after the George Floyd, people would come to me and sit down and want to talk about race and racism, and you know, and these were one of my white colleagues. So it was definitely a, more, a keen interest to discuss it with me. And sometimes it wasn't so welcome because being one of the only black guys in our department, you know, people always wanted to speak to me and it got a bit tired. At least people having that conversation and it's saying that maybe five years ago, we never would have talked about.
0: So you're sensing a change in the climate around all of this. I mean, certainly here at CMF, we we've realized that this is maybe something we've been silent on for a very long time. Mm. And yet probably, the majority now of our younger members come from black asian south asian east asian backgrounds so and as we've talked to them we've been realizing just how bad an experience many of them are having in hospital uh, and yeah. in the workplace so why do you think this is the case still why why do you think that this is so it's been so hidden for so long and why uh, and what are the roots behind it
1: it's a really complex question but i think it's always been there, but I think that there's been isolated incidents where people have had racist or discriminatory behaviour towards them. And maybe it was kind of brushed under the carpet. So, you know, uh, it was dealt with, you know, they, they maybe never addressed it in a way that was satisfactory to the, to the person that made the complaint. But now I think people are more, and a lot of time it went under, unreported. So I spoke to a lot of doctors and they said before this happened recently with the Black Lives Matter campaign, a lot of the time things will happen to them and they just kind of, they didn't know who to speak to. They look up to their management and the management are pretty much white dominated. So and they didn't feel that their story will be heard, they would be believed or listened to. And sometimes they're seen as the aggressor in a situation. Mm. People, often people don't want to rock the boat. They just want to they want to basically you know, get on with their job and move on. But I think now there's definitely a lot more appetite to have these discussions and a lot of there's a lot of fear about being labeled as a racist. So people just kind of, and as as we're British and we tend to kind of sweep things under the carpet, don't talk about things so much. Mm compared to our colleagues in the United States where I've had some discussions with. So I think there's just a more, there's an appetite to discuss this now, put it out in the open. I think a lot of people are saying enough is enough.
0: I mean, I think certainly the perception has been amongst most of the white community in this country that racism is a problem for other countries. It's not something yeah. we suffer from. And I think what you're saying here, and I think what we've seen news shows that actually is just as big a problem here is just we don't talk yeah. about it. As you say, we're yeah. British, we sweep it under the carpet. We try yeah, to sort of pretend it's not there.
1: Yeah, so I spent some time in the United States in Georgia, Atlanta, which is a very southern mm. state, and like there were areas where there was overt racism. They, if they didn't like you, they would say you, and sometimes use the N word as well, basically. And I've seen that and heard it. America's more on your face. In the UK, it's subtle, it's polite, it's I'll see you every single day. We'll have a cup of tea together or we'll talk. But would you ever invite a black or minority person to your house? Would you ever allow, uh, you know, if you had a black or minority person who was would you have allowed them to date your daughter or son? You know, so it was very, uh, it was very kind of insidious and overt. Whereas in the United States, if they didn't like you, they would be in your face, basically. And that, and that glass ceiling we talk about as well. Sometimes being passed up for jobs or promotions mm-hmm. or having an African or non English sounding name meant you didn't get that job. Basically, it was harder to kind of target and pin down. Um, so that was one of the bigger differences I found between the United States and the UK.
0: And of course, we, we're also seeing it in how health outcomes are working i mean covid's brought this very much to the fore i mean one of the most shocking images was i i remember the bbc doing a, a photo montage of the health professionals who died in the first few months of the covid mm. and all bar a handful of them were black or asian yeah uh, and that immediately was like what why so many from um from black or asian backgrounds dying mm. um disproportionate to the numbers that are actually working in the health service. And it's raising a lot of questions, isn't it? What is the underlying health inequalities that COVID is now exposing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, as a black man myself of African origin, born here, even I was concerned every day you see the BBC News and it was another black or brown Mm -hmm. was dying. So for, for me personally, my family, they were very, very concerned. In terms of the reasons, it's still difficult to tease out. I know there was, there's been recent reports to suggest that maybe some of the black or the minority, and I'm, I'm using, I'm not using the word "bame." I really do not like no. "bame" because it just lumps everyone into one group. But the black or people of colour, let's use the word "people of color, um, Maybe they had more um, health chat problems, but some of them were very fit and well. And it just shows some of our colleagues were prepared to put themselves on the front line, work hard, work and um, and be on the wards and maybe risk themselves. There's also some cultural differences where people that may be not born in this country are more subservient in terms of just getting on with the job, basically, and not complaining. And mm. then putting themselves at risk or not get the adequate PPE um, that they dem- they needed when, when seeing patients.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that seems to have been a particular issue. And of course, you go into care homes, a very large proportion of the staff come from the Caribbean or mm. Africa or South Asia or East Asia. Um, so it's it's a similar pattern, mm. you know, in all the places where the the highest risks have been: bus mm. drivers, taxi drivers, uh, shop workers. Now, just thinking about this from sort of a, a Christian perspective. Now, it has to be said that you know we all know that Scripture is very clear that mm. it, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We all quote that but we know the church in this country has not got a great history on this from, yeah. you know, historically going back to the, the amount of money that the church of England made out of the slave trade yeah, um, down to um, the, the, the total failure to accept the, the Windrush generation or the Ugandan Asian community, you know, the Christians from both those communities were not welcomed into the British church. Yeah. And there is that division that goes back historically in the British church. Mm. So, If we're going to start talking about why there's all these injustices in society and the racial inequalities and the issues of bullying in the NHS, how much have we got to try and address it within the church before we can even start looking out and and, and tackling it in wider society?
1: Yeah, I'll agree on that point, actually, absolutely. At the end of the day, the church reflects UK society and the broad society, and it's a reflection of that. More recently, I've noticed there's being a large upspringing of kind of black or or ethnic churches, basically. So, like growing up, I grew up in a Church of England church. I was my, our family the only black family that lived in that area, so we were the only black family in that church, basically. And at the time, we had no problems. We got on with everyone. We had a great time, basically. But looking back at it, there were times when there was a you can notice the differences in people. And I guess yes, um, between you know when we go to church and we sit and listen to the vicar, everyone's together. How many times were we invited to people's houses? How many times mm. actually did we interact outside of that environment? And I guess what the church has to look a long and hard at itself, basically, to see have we been inclusive to others as we would like to? And I just think of the times of Jesus where uh, he was with the downtrodden, he was with the Gentiles, you know, he was with, with, wasn't with the masses, and you know, and it makes you just makes you think about these things, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, we often forget that you know, even Paul's letters are mostly addressing ethnic tensions within the churches you know Galatians and Romans are all about Jews and Gentiles learning how to rub yeah. up against each other properly mm. in the yeah. church so it's nothing it's nothing new but yeah it, but until we start talking about it we can't do anything about it yeah so and also,
1: and also I think it's about representation so having more yeah. black and minority peoples in senior leadership in the church vicars, mm. senior bishops I know we have we've had a few and female and, and black females as well but just me- normalising that, so you know it's more acceptable, and people embrace that. Basically,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've had very high people like John Centomano and Rose Hudson Taylor, but they are—they are they're the only two. Name, certainly within the anglican church that i could think of immediately yeah. who, who who have been so high profile that really comes on to my next question is is how do we start to tackle this within the church within our professions within within our communities as a whole what, what sort of things do we need to be thinking about but black and white um asian and european you know what are the questions we need to be starting to ask and how do we need to be thinking about our own behavior and our own attitudes? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think having conversations like we're having now, bringing it out to the open, normalising it so people can have that discussion is the first step. I think then acknowledging that there are inequalities within the workplace, within jobs, financially, and then how do we go about dismantling that in a way? So we talk about there's new phrases that have come up since the George Floyd uh, murder where you've got anti-racist behaviour. So is an organisation actively doing things to discourage racism, not just tokenism, where we make a statement and say Black Lives Matter, but actually... How many black and minority people are you putting on your boards How many, mm. how many are you promoting um, but then I'd say most of the u k is non racist, and so what that means is they're not actively dis- discriminatory against anyone, but the system the the organization, the government the way, the way, the systems in this country benefit one group over another and I think as soon as we acknowledge that, then we can actually highlight the inequalities and then try and do things to to help improve the situation
0: yeah so it it starts with a conversation. But yes. it also is, as you were saying earlier, about how much are we doing the simple things like getting to know our colleagues who mm. come from, uh, you know, for those of us who are white, getting to know our colleagues that come from a different ethnic background. And actually, mm. of course, we have to acknowledge that some of this discrimination happens within ethnic communities as well. Right? So.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So apart my research with the General Medical Council, we found actually there was discrimination between south asian and black community as well and mm. within the asian community there was discrimination with the caste system so there, this is quite a complex thing and i think mm. what the dpu scratch and the, you get the levels you go through you find that that this is not just a black and a white problem but it's everybody's problem basically even within ethnic groups mm. there's issues as well so i think it just needs to be discussed challenged and how we can work together to sort this problem out because i don't think it's for black or minority people to try and fix the problem now you know we've there's been years of trying and we're still where we are. So I think it's for the general population, knowledge of the problem, and everyone work together to be anti-racist and try and move forward together.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think, a very helpful point, if you'd like, for us to finish on, is we many of us would not want to acknowledge that we're racist, that we, we would say that we actively, that we aren't, but that very passively we're we're benefiting from a system that is. And it's becoming aware of that. And the only way we can become aware of that is by starting these conversations and talking to one another and then looking at what we can do to change things as individuals, as organizations. Mm. And the starting point is that reaching out and starting a conversation. It's not the end of it, but it is the start. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Jonathan, anything else that you'd like to sort of say to us or encourage us or challenge us about
1: um yeah i'd say i think after speaking to many of those doctors and medical students played heavy on my heart to be honest i thought we're in 2020 now and some of the stories are really harrowing of kind of people that were really going through issues of racism and discrimination within the nhs between doctors nurses and, and different members of staff and i think it's important to to have those conversations acknowledge things and if you have a colleague who's in trouble you see there's a problem challenge and help sometimes in as medics and doctors and nurses we kind of turn the other way because we're concerned about our own careers or you know we don't want to rock the boat basically but now the boat has to be rocked we have to basically change these things so we can improve the environment for ourselves and people coming behind us as well basically i think to do nothing now is pretty unacceptable given all that's going on
0: yeah so it's not enough just to say i'm not racist you actually have to do something and stand up yes yeah Mm -hmm. jonathan thank you very much for your time today um i think this is a topic we could probably talk about for days and days and days and i think this is probably just the start of a, a conversation that we we need to to keep having yeah. so thank you very much for your time with us and uh really appreciate it yeah, um thank you very much. so you've been listening to the first incision it's a podcast from the christian medical fellowship if you watch out for our next episode that will be in a couple of weeks time uh, it will come out at 5 p.m or british summertime on uh, friday Uh, In the meantime, if you have enjoyed this edition, do subscribe to us on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your podcast app of choice is. And if you can take a couple of minutes to rate the podcast um, and give us a a, um, review, it's great to get the feedback, but it also helps others to find the podcast. So until next time, take care.